When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Everyone, John Wertheim here. This is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. The draw has been widowed. We are down to a women's final and men's semis on the men's side at the 2021 Australian Open. Strange tournament. Uh, our chances of history are dwindling. We will not see Serena win her 24th major in Melbourne. We will not see Rafa Nadal eclipse Roger Federer and win his 21st major. We do still have Novak Djokovic. In the draw, however, and we have an ascending star in Naomi Osaka. So uh, I am joined by Jamie. It is Thursday afternoon, your time, if you are on the East Coast, uh, Friday in Melbourne. And before this men's semis are played, we're going to try and do some tennis chit-chat. It's been been a strange tournament, but in the end, it's been a lot of chalk. And uh, I suspect that if you flew in from outer space and saw this draw, if you were in a vacuum and saw this draw, you would not have suspected uh, the various twists and turns and detours that this tournament had to uh, to go through, both to be staged and uh, and then to play out over what's what's now been 12, 13 days. So um, in, in the end, there is chalk, and we have two players still alive, Osaka and Novak Djokovic, who a lot of people would have picked to win this thing on day one. So uh, anyway, Jamie, uh, how are you, where are you, and uh, how's the snow? I was going to say I'm in the middle of a snowstorm incoming here on the East Coast, but I'm doing okay. We have internet and we are warm for now, which is better than some other parts of this country, I think. So I'm I'm doing all right. We are here. And as you said, we have Djokovic and Osaka and two players who we definitely would have chosen, but we also have some other names that have come up these past few days, this past week that maybe no one would have really predicted. So all in all, I say that is a fine recipe for a damn good tournament. I think you're right. And I think that uh, this is part of what makes these events. Yes, it's the winner holding up the trophy. I don't know if you caught, we could jump ahead to Naomi Osaka. I thought 
she had a great answer. Someone said, uh, I'm going to try and find the exact quote while we talk, but uh, some, someone had said to her at one point, um, you know, what is it about you? How do you always come out uh, playing your best tennis when so much is on the line? And she essentially says, I go in there, here, I'm going I'm to get this exact quote. That's, that's how good it is uh, from Naomi Osaka. But uh, so, so she says, you know, what makes you so hard to beat in Grand Slam finals? Quote, for me, I have this mentality that people don't remember the runners up. Uh, you, you might, but the winner's name is the one that's engraved, which A, I think is a great little, uh, I think it's a great insight into Naomi Osaka. We can talk about her in a moment. But I also think that, you know, we, we remember these events as the years go by. We remember them by the winner, right? So you, you pick an event, you say, well, just pick one at radio, 2003 US Open. And you say, that was Andy Roddick breakthrough. But what really makes these events is all of the context and the upsets and the Cinderella stories. And this tournament has certainly had those plenty. You are uh, perhaps referencing our, our qualifier, Aslan Karatsev, who plays Novak Djokovic in a few hours. Um, but, you know, Jed Brady reaching the finals gives the story flavor and who, who knows she could win this thing. Uh, this tournament's really had it all, in addition, of course, to crowds and no crowds and, and COVID and lockdowns and quarantines and, um, it's been, it's been a crazy event, but I said the same thing when we were in Paris. I have not heard, in, you know, t t tell me if you've heard different, but I have not heard anyone say, boy, right now, 12 days in, I, I wish they'd never held this. Um, and that was, that was a real concern when this event started. So I, I think this will be certainly not a financial success, but I think in terms of tennis and continuity and distraction and giving 128 players in both singles draws, an opportunity to play tennis and, and earn a living. Uh, I, I think overall this, this event has been a success and Tennis Australia should take a bow and then take a long nap because um, I, I can, I think we're, we're only, uh, we're only hearing half of it, but, the, but what I've heard about what, what it's taken for this event to be pulled off is not something that we should um, neglect to talk about, but let, I don't know, let's start with, um, let's start with re recency effect. Let's start with the Serena Osaka match. Um, why don't you go first and tell me what you saw? Yeah, I mean, I, I've i read and, and watched and listened to a lot since last night's very, very quick match, I will say, with a scoreline that perhaps, I don't know if it was it was telling for the match or not, but I am both surprised and unsurprised by the result um, just because Naomi Osaka is playing completely incredible right now. I mean, she's on this 20 match winning streak and that really extends back into, you know, this time last year. Um, she has gone to the quarterfinals at a slam and she, once she gets past that point, she's not losing. And now she, you know, is bidding to become the first woman to win her first four major finals since Monica Seles. So all of those things, she is just as you wrote uh, in your piece from last night, that there's a new star on the rise. And I think if any match solidified that, it was last night. Um, you know, she really beat Serena at her own game. And I mean, everything was on point. I think there was a lot of things that needed to go right for both players. But for her, the the serving, um, the the mental part of the game, you know, she you thought there for a second at that 
you know, when, when Serena broke her for 4-4, you thought that maybe she was starting to feel the nerves. She was starting to, you know, maybe it was going to be able to go three sets and Serena was going to pull it out. But she came back and the, the confidence and the just everything that she did to fire back at that point, I think just proved and said so much about the type of player she is right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, I've got two parlor games for you, Jamie. So here's the, the first one is, if, if I said, describe this player, and we would say, it, it's a big match. She came to show up. And as you, as you said before, she's now 11-0 once she reaches the quarters of majors. She went down to love, and it looked a little shaky, and she looked a little nervous, but then she steadied herself. She dialed in her strokes. She out-hit her opponent. She's served more aces than anyone else in the tournament. She played a loose game in four-all and then didn't lose another point the, next, the rest of the match. Who is this player? Um, you, might, you might suggest Serena Williams. I mean, I, I think you're, you're right. that She really did beat Serena at her own game last night, Osaka did, and she also – played tennis that I thought was very reminiscent of, uh, of peak Serena Williams. The, the other parlor game, uh, which I'd be curious for you to answer, is I put this out on, um, I think I put this out on Twitter. I said, name me another athlete who is not just, you know, R- Rafa's modest and then the Greek freak is modest. I mean, it's not really modest. It's more than that. Name me another athlete who is so sort of sheepish and, and self-deprecating and sort of admirably sort of offbeat and then is absolutely a killer when the match is in play. I mean, I'm, I'm just fascinated by Osaka's mix. I'm curious if you have ever seen that in another athlete because it's, it's really Jekyll and Hyde stuff is from where I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I love the, um, uh, all those adjectives, you know, I think sheepish is, is definitely a good one. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I, I think we've seen this um, big, you know, polar opposites before with her, but it's becoming consistent. And the more we see her in slam finals, I think the more, more intense that opposition becomes. And she, you know what, for me, it, it, uh, and, and for fans, I think it, it makes her, very very easy to root for and get behind you want to see someone like that succeed because you know when she has these these off-court matches and of course the first thing she does big microphone big crowd into another slam final and the first question she just kind of stands there shrugs her shoulders a little bit and the first response is a big um that sort of radiates (laughs) Um, stadium 
And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not making fun of her at all. I just think it's so relatable and so normal. And even, I think a lot earlier, we would uh, contribute that to her age, right? She's so young. Um, of course, we all recall the US Open with Serena and there's just a different dynamic now, but it's still the same inherent personality traits that you mentioned, but she's more mature. And I think seeing that and just kind of, it, it makes you smile, it makes you laugh, you feel for her, you feel with her. And I mean, it's, it's great. And the, the fact that she's able to dial that back and then dial something else completely different in is, is incredible. Um, I don't know if you saw how she, she signed the camera to tell her, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. you told her, told her sister to stop sending her like weird emojis or sort of weird, uh, what'd you say? Stop saying, stop, uh, and, and emojis or weird pictures or in the group chat. Yeah. Is, weird pictures you know, in the group chat. Everyone's gripe is that group chat. That's really that one group chat. That's really annoying. Oh, so again, very easy to relate to her, um, in, in many ways, which I think is, is great again. Um, and then she marries that with it's for all in the second set of a major semifinal. And I've just played an awful game and Serena Williams is on the other side of the net. All right. Well, time to go down to the basement and get some winners. And uh, she didn't win. She didn't lose another point. I don't know if you remember, this is one of my favorite stats of the tournament. Um, in the fourth round, she had the misfortune of playing Garbina Muguruza and was down match point. And as if it were an option, she just sort of said, you know, I'll, I'll take this off the menu. And she just didn't miss another ball. She literally, for the next 22 points, did not make an error and ended up winning the match 7-5 uh, in the third. I mean, it was just – she's really become the – I mean, it's, it's Serena-esque. Exactly. Um, you took the words out of her mouth because I was just about to say that how many times have we seen, seen Serena close a match like that or respond to – whether it's pressure or her back against the wall. And we just, our response as onlookers is just too good, right? Just, just, it's just too good. You can't, you can't beat that, right? I mean, how many times did we say that about Serena? And I think it was really an interesting dynamic to watch that match last night and be saying the same thing about Osaka against Serena. Uh, let's, let's talk a bit about Serena. Um, there, she, she was asked, you know, the question all athletes get asked, and did you take an extra moment when you left the court to savor it because you're not going to be back? And she dismissed that as she might, uh, you know, as, as she might a low-hanging lob and basically said, you know, I, I don't know, and if I did know, I wouldn't tell you, which is, of course, her prerogative. Um, where do you, do you have any – it's all speculation at this point because she essentially um, did, did give any indication. Um, any – sense where she goes from here any sense where you'd like to see her go from here yeah I mean I I'm not sure I made much of the the pause if you will as she was leaving the court um I know there was some discussion around that if that was a a you know more permanent goodbye to the fans in Melbourne um I'm not sure I think at this point what we can be sure of is we are seeing a somewhat decline of Serena but also you know the the rise of other players around her I think for a long time there was just no one that could beat her there was no one that had the either physical or mental capability to to overcome her especially on the grand slam stages 
and uh, it was it was definitely a big match for her. But I'm not I'm not sure. I think she plays out this year, but after that, um, you know, her sister Venus is is still out there, you know, and so I don't know if she wants to continue on with her if they leave the game together if they don't if you know there's there's so many questions and i think the the layoff that happened in 2020 because of corona i think maybe changed her mind a little bit maybe um extended her plans a little bit so i think it's it's a little too early after that to to make any big big predictions what about you um no i i think that's I think you're right, and I would add that uh, this is really an unfortunate position for an athlete in an individual sport where, you know, I mean, I think only the most rabid fan and, and subjective fan wouldn't say she's in a state of decline. I mean, it's now been more than four years since her last major. She just doesn't have that fear factor anymore. Um you know, if this is not the Serena Williams in her prime, on the other hand, she's still playing deep into these events. She beat Simona Halep. She beat Sabalenka. She's very much in the mix. She still has, I mean, that, that tap suit, got, you know, the, the one-legged Flojo outfit got as much attention as, as anyone's fashion. Um, you know, in, in a team sport, it's easy, right? You sort of shift to, you become the six man or you you're used to averaging 30 points a game and now maybe it's only 18, but you're still a vital part of the team. You don't have that luxury in an individual sport. So right. how in the world at some level you, you say, how could you ask her to step aside? She's, she might be 39 years old, but she's still getting to the latter rounds of these events. She still has buzz. She still has income. She's still beating top three players. Um, and at the same time, Serena is Serena and she is a, admirably prideful woman and always has been. I, I think Venus has sort of resigned herself to, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the competition. My days of winning majors are likely over, but A, you never know. And B, just competing as a pro athlete is enough for me. I don't think Serena goes there and I don't think she ever gets there. So it's, right. it's very tough. I don't envy her at all. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're used to winning three majors a year. You've got 23 of these. You could retire tomorrow and be the best ever. Um, it's it's probably no fun to come and win five or six matches, but not seven. And at the same time, how do you walk away if any other profession, if neurosurgery or you know novelist, this pick a profession, how do you walk away when you do your job better than all but a few other people in the world? So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that's it's a great very point. Tricky. I think it's a great point because I think you're right is that she she may not be winning but she's getting awfully close every time and for her for someone of her fierceness and the, someone with such a competitive mind like she has I've got to think that it's just every time she gets closer every time there's a new chance you've got to just want it more and more I don't think that this decreases anything while her her play might be declining uh in comparison to the people around i think her desire is i also uh will, will point out that uh, her press conference was cut short and i'm sure everybody's seen it by now and if not you can uh throw, throw it onto the uh throw it onto the youtube but she she left in you know, she, she left tearfully. Clearly, she was very disappointed. She also, I noticed, I mean, she didn't take a lot of questions, but she did not mention Naomi Osaka by name. 
Um, I noticed last year too when she lost to um, to Wang Kyung uh, of China. She she did not mention her by name either. I mean, there is still a real competitive fire that that burns here. And I again, I, I say this with all respect and admiration. It must be really hard to still be competitive and not be the player you were, and to go into those press conference not with a trophy next to you. Um, and I think she's, you know, last night was another indication. She's clearly still wrestling with all of this. But um, again, I, if, I'm, if I'm her team and she wants to play, I tell her, you just beat a top three player in straight sets. You just beat one of the hottest players on tour in Sabalenka. You were right there. Even, you know, the first 10 minutes of the match, you were beating Naomi Osaka. Um, it's, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not a combat sport where you're taking on, you know, irreversible physical injury. This isn't Muhammad Ali fighting Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbick on a, on a barge. Um, you're, you're right there in these matches, and you, know, you only need to win 14 sets. I mean, you, you don't need to regroup for next season. So I, I don't think she's a contender um, or at least a top contender at the French Open, but I don't know. I, I still wouldn't bet. Based on what I just saw in Melbourne, I would not bet against Serena Williams um, at Wimbledon. Let's um, sh- let, let's give uh, let's give Jen Brady a little uh, love, Jamie, shall we? Yes, I was uh, I was going to say that because we've spent a lot of time uh, in previous pods as well talking about Serena or Osaka or others, but let's definitely talk about Jen Brady into this final again. Uh, against Naomi Osaka and you know I I don't think we give her enough credit at 25 years old you know she she took three sets uh, to to make it here but she was in only one other major semifinal last year's U.S. Open and she lost to Osaka in three sets so it's going to be an interesting match I mean I think that match was it was it was a good one very very good and i think that osaka um you know has some game planning to do to say the least but uh what are your thoughts i mean i think for someone that doesn't follow tennis as closely they see jen brady maybe they've heard of her because of the us open but maybe not what is your like elevator pitch for for jen brady or how are you like who is Jen Brady? Like, where, you know, where is she coming from? What's your, what's your response when, when people may ask you that? Um, my response is we have seen phenoms. We've seen Coco Goff. We've seen these, these can't miss prospects. And we've seen uh, young stars that have owned particular surfaces. And we've seen players build steadily. What, what I've not seen a lot of is what Jen Brady's done, which is basically she, you know, she, she went to UCLA. You, she can scarcely uh, hit a forehand without hearing about that. She had, you know, three, four years of, you know, a good, good decent player, 40 to 80. And she basically said in the middle of her career, this is not good enough for me. I am willing to cross an ocean and train in Germany. I'm willing to change my diet. I'm not satisfied just being a, a run-of-the-mill pro tennis player. I, I want this this good to great. And a lot of players say that. Very few of them actually go to these lengths and very few of them pull it off. I mean, she has made this this mid-career transition where she had, you know, she was getting into main draws and she'd win a match here and there. Um, 
they talked about last night, she, she beat Carolina Mukova. They played once before. It was about 18 months ago. And then you look at Jen Brady was ranked number 86 at the time. And what she did in the middle of her career, in the middle of her 20s, is completely transform herself. And she is an absolute top-tier player. That whipping forehand she has is one of the great weapons in women's tennis right now. As you say, she made the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Again, not content. Hey, I got there. That's great. The very next hard court major, she does one and possibly two better and gets to the finals. Um, this is really an admirable story. And I think, you know, we, we all, every, every player wants to play like Serena and Federer and Djokovic and Nadal. But I think this is a much, if you, you want a player to emulate, this is much more realistic, which is a player who just said, I am willing to do what it takes to go from one level to the next. I want to be promoted and I, there's, I can't go marching into the boss's office with a counter offer. I've got to do this myself. And she's basically done what it's take to get, get the self-promotion. And right now she is playing top 10 tennis and she has been for, uh, you know, for since the reset and there's no indication it's, it's going to stop. I think it's really admirable what she's done. And if everyone could do it a lot, I mean, this is, this is rare that a player in the middle of their career would pull this off. And that in itself sort of uh, t tells you how admirable it is. Yeah, I think I read something where um, during the, the quarantine, she basically did not like allow herself to just like hang out and, and watch Netflix because she didn't want to get into a place where that was the only thing that she wanted to do. And I think, I think that's like really... It says a lot about, you know, it speaks exactly to what you're talking about and how she really is laser focused on what she wants. And she is not going to bask in this, you know, semifinal, final, Grand Slam, final glory. She's, she's, she's focused and she's been focused since, you know, reaching that, that semifinal at the U.S. Open. And I think, you know, a lot of other players might you know, go out and enjoy. I'm not saying she didn't, but I think it just says a lot to your point about her mentality and what she's really, you know, what she's really trying to do. And I think the biggest question with her is whether or not this continues. And I think we've seen her stick around for a while. So I think it will, but I don't know if you, if you have any thoughts, if she becomes a consistent top 10 player, if she becomes a grand slam champion, I mean, it's really, where does where do you see her falling within the next few years? I, I think it range, I think it ranges surface by surface. We'll see how she does at Wimbledon. I think obviously hard hard courts is much more her surface than clay. I think some of it too is the players ahead of her. We'll, we'll see what the final brings. I mean, right right now, I think like most people, um, I would pick Osaka. Though as you referenced, Jamie, they played they may have been the best match of of twenty twenty in that U.S. Open semifinal. Um, I think she can win majors. And I think, you know, a fair amount will have to go right. But I think that that serve, that, that kick serve for the second serve, which won her a lot of points in that decisive game yesterday. Um, and that, that forehand, she held, she's held up. She's been a durable player. She's won her last two matches in three sets and has been stronger than her opponent physically in both cases. I think, um, I think she can win majors. Um, let me, uh, as, as we keep an eye on the clock, let me make a quick uh, – Quick public service announcement, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Um, I, woke up, I woke up to a barrage of uh, tweets and texts about Chris Everett. I did not watch the match. I don't know what she said. All I will say is uh, Chris Everett is one of my 
favorite people in, in the sport. She is absolutely lovely. I've seen her uh, do and say so many kind things to uh, so many people. Um, and she's good people. I don't know what she said, but uh, I hope people will give her the benefit of the doubt, whatever it is, because um, I've seen, you know, she, she's in, in self-admittedly, full disclosure, she, she is a friend, but she's a lovely person. And um, I'm, I'm not sure quite what happened, but uh, people ought to know that. Um, let's go quickly to the men's side. Um, I think there was a huge upset this tournament. and we're not really talking about it much. And that's Rafa Nadal having a two sets to love lead against a player he's dominated in their previous meetings and falling in the quarterfinals to Tsitsipas. Uh, people say Tsitsipas beats Nadal on a fast court. And I think you say, all right, I, I can see that happening. Um, Rafa being up two sets to love, I think turns this from uh, a perhaps somewhat surprising result into a shocking result. And I'm not sure why this did not seem, at least in my quarters, this did not seem to get quite the attention that uh, I thought it might. Uh, any thoughts on that one, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, as we were previewing the season and last year, you know, and we talk about the big three and we always ask the question, you know, when will that next generation, when will the younger guys overtake the big three and when when will we see you know i think even in your you know predictions i think one of the questions was who will be who will win their first grand slam in in 2021 so it, it, we've been asking it for a while and you know i think you see players like dimitrov or, or ronich you know their their times may have passed but you know now this this 25 and under group um you know is the next group here and Sitsipas, he made it happen in this in this match. But I think one of the things it really brings is just the the belief, you know, that these players, these young players can can beat the big three in Grand Slam matches. We talk about it best of three versus best of five. And um that was a five-set match that Sitsipas mm -hmm. beat Nadal in. So I think that's a really important point. Um and you know what? We'll we'll see how how it shakes out and and if um, he can continue it and, and make that final. Uh, before the uh, before the TV gods call, last question: Does anyone does anyone beat Novak Djokovic heading into uh, the, the final weekend? What do you think? I don't think, I don't think so. Uh, I think we're going to have a good final, whether it's Medvedev or Tsitsipas. But I think I think Djokovic is just way too dominant in Melbourne. Um, I think. Best of, uh, I, I mean, I, I think the, the big question in men's tennis for a long time has just been what you said, which is not just who can beat the big three, but who can do it in a major. Best of, best of five versus best of three. Not just physically, but with the lapses, with the mental ebbs and flows, with all these sort of gyrations and, uh, and undulations that happen in a, in a match and managing moments and managing the inevitable lulls. Novak Djokovic would win number 18, which would put him back two behind Federer and Nadal with the French uh, coming. The big three goat race does not stop. Neither do we. Um, Jamie, I've got to run to TV. I'm being buzzed and beeped and texted. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks everyone for, uh, for listening. Enjoy the final few days of the 2021 Australian Open. We will be back next week. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts is where you can subscribe. Feel, feel free to leave a review and uh, we'll do it again next week.
Mm-hmm.